Well, good morning again, everybody. How was everybody's Christmas? Who had a really, like, elaborate Christmas, lots of family and friends you had to drive, like, to three different places to see everybody? Anybody have to do that? No? Anybody just stay home? Ah, uh, yes. We actually, we stayed home. We didn't even cook. We had leftovers from, from, from Christmas Eve dinner when we went and got Chinese food. We just... Yeah, we, we stayed home, we, uh, we watched some movies, we uh, just kind of hung out as a family, had some fun. Um, so really kind of a, a low-key Christmas, and it was, it was kind of nice to just slow down, and uh, I had the opportunity even just to sit out on the front porch and contemplate and just uh, think about things. Um, so it was really nice. Um, before we started, I uh, wanted to say a few things. First of all, I wanted to uh, give God a, a giant praise because uh, on Christmas Eve, uh, the evening of Christmas Eve, my sister was able to return home from the hospital. Uh, she is still on oxygen, but uh, she's strong enough to be at home. Uh, so we were very excited to hear that. Um, I also wanted to say thank you to the, to the 40 plus people who uh, were involved in creating our Christmas program. Uh, this year, our candlelight program. Um, we, had, uh, we had a lot of people here. Uh, if you were here, you saw uh, the number of people. Last year, we had like 67 people. This year, we had 112. Um, so just uh, a really nice turnout. Um, people, I think, were blessed hearing the, the, the music and the play um, and the fellowship that we shared up in the fellowship hall afterwards. Just a beautiful, beautiful time. So I want to thank you. Uh, if you were involved in, uh, in helping us to uh, worship Christ and uh, remember his birth. Um, also want to thank those of you who gave in our uh, Christmas candlelight offering. Uh, we had announced that we are giving away all of that offering uh, to three organizations, uh, the Adams Rescue Mission, uh, Tender Care Pregnancy Counseling Services, and uh, for our uh, Kentucky uh, disaster relief, we landed on Matthew 25 Ministries, uh, who are working with families who were devastated by these storms, uh, not just in Kentucky, but in uh, the, several states. Uh, we saw that destruction. Kentucky was, of course, the most significant. And through your generosity, we were able to collect $1,500, uh, which means each organization will get $500 uh, to help them accomplish their ministry goals. Uh, in, their, in, in our community here and also in the communities uh, that were experiencing need down in Kentucky. Uh, I want to thank you just for being, being a blessing. I know that we are blessed as a church, and I know that this church is, a, uh, is just open to being a blessing to other people. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we announced that an anonymous giver uh, had stepped up to give the church enough money to pay off our mortgage. Uh, on this building, uh, so we no longer have a mortgage uh, payment, no longer have a mortgage burden, uh, and we just, we praise God. God pours down blessings on us, uh, and at this church, the, the people here just pour those blessings out on others. This morning, we're ending our Advent sermon series that we've been using to try to answer the question, what difference does it make? What difference does the coming of Jesus Christ, which we celebrated yesterday, what difference does that make to us on December 26th, 
2021. Now, some of you may know December 26th by, by a different name. It's called Boxing Day in various parts of the world, in England, uh, in Canada, in some other uh, c- uh, countries in the world. They call this Boxing Day. Now, it doesn't have anything to do with fighting, um, so you know, don't be looking for you know, whoever to be fighting on TV or whatever, but it has to, it has to do with Um, Well, today it has to do with going shopping. How many of you uh, usually go on the after Christmas shopping morning to go buy all of your wrapping paper and your your ribbons and everything for next Christmas? A lot of people do that. They have a lot of these uh, after Christmas sales that go on. But Boxing Day uh, throughout the world is actually started as St. Stephen's Day. It was a day when gifts or money that had been collected in the alms box at the back of churches uh, were distributed to the poor, so they would open those boxes and they would make distributions to the poor. And you might know uh, the Christmas carol, Good King Wenceslas. Um, It was written by John Mason Neal in 1853, and it's about a king in the 10th century who gives uh, food to a poor family that he sees out working uh, on St. Stephen's Day, gathering winter fuel and, and doing those things. And uh, they celebrate St. Stephen's Day. And Stephen was a uh, person that we read in the Bible. Uh, we just know him as Stephen. We don't call him Saint. But uh, Stephen was the first Christian who was killed for their Christian faith. And he was also one of the first deacons in the church. And in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, we read why deacons were first appointed uh, to the church. It says, now in these days, this is Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So we have these people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the church is growing. It's no longer just Jews who are coming to Christ. Now we have non-Jews. These Hellenists were Greeks that were coming to Christ. They were joining the church. And they had a concern. And their concern was that the Hebrews were taking care of the Hebrew widows, but were not taking care of the Hellenist widows. And that was a problem because this, we were supposed to be, they were supposed to be one church and everyone was supposed to be cared for equally. So we read on, the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty this duty of of what they called serving uh, tables, but really what it was was taking care of the day-to-day functions of what was becoming a very large and growing church. So the daily distribution to the widows, basically that meant as people would bring in funds, they would distribute it to people as they had their need. And Stephen is the first of the seven deacons that's listed in the book of Acts. And we see that their primary job 
was the feeding and care of widows and orphans and the rest of the poor using these alms that were collected from fellow Christians. And this is where we kind of get the idea of St. Stephen's Day. Now, as Christians, we know that the way we care for the poor is of immense importance to God. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 and 11 say, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. There will never cease to be poor in the land. Jesus told his disciples that when he was nearing the end of his ministry over 1,500 years later from when God said this to the, to the Jews as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land, there will always be poor among you. Jesus himself was born into a family that was not well off. And we know this because after Jesus was born, and we read about this in Luke chapter 2, when, after Jesus was born, they took him to the temple in Jerusalem and they made uh, the required sacrifice, sacrifice that was required by the law. And in that passage, we're told that they made a sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And if we look back into the law in the Old Testament, usually you would bring a sheep or a, a goat or a ram. But if you were poor, God didn't want you to be left out of sacrificing. God didn't want you to be left out of worship. And so he said, if you, couldn't, if you can't afford one of these animals, bring me a couple of pigeons. And you can sacrifice those. And we see Mary and Joseph sacrificing two pigeons or two turtle doves here in the temple. It, indicated that they were poor. Jesus knew what it was to be poor. He relied on some of the women who followed him to support his ministry and to support him. And in that time, women supporting somebody financially was almost unheard of. Jesus knew what it was to be poor. And Jesus spoke a lot about money. Now, he, we hear sometimes in, in churches that Jesus spoke more about money than he did about anything else, and that's not necessarily true, depending on what you're measuring. But Jesus did talk a lot about money. A lot of times he used it to make a, a bigger point about our Christian faith. And he contrasted the kingdom of God with life on earth. And he said things like, sell your possessions and give to the needy and provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Now I was talking to uh, 
somebody this morning up in the uh, fellowship hall that was talking about, uh, we, were, we were just having a conversation and, and they brought up that they had been different places where they had been robbed. How many, anybody ever been robbed before? Anybody ever had their pocket picked? I remember being in London when I was in the army and, and they sent us to London for like one day out of this like month long that we were there. Was like, yeah, go to London for a day and check it out. Got my pocket picked like five minutes after I got to London. Had no money, had nothing. But, you know, we experience these things. We experience people robbing us. We experience people stealing things. And Jesus says here, well, if you give your possessions to the poor and to the needy and you concentrate on the treasures that are in heaven, those treasures can't be stolen from you. That's what he's talking about. In other words, when we're talking about living in the kingdom of God, as Christians, we believe we're doing that right now, living in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, in the kingdom of God, your money's no good here. When you die... Your money is no good. Seek the kingdom's riches, not man's riches. And what does he tell us to do with our earthly possessions? Give them to the needy. Give them to the poor. This is a kingdom thing to do. And when we don't care for the poor and the needy, well, the Bible has some things to say about that too in Proverbs chapter 14 verse 31 whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker but he who is generous to the needy honors him oppressing a poor man is an insult to his maker we know who the maker is right who's the maker God this passage is a reminder that God made the poor man just as he made me. He is one of God's creation. And to treat him poorly, to treat the poor man poorly, to oppress him, insults God. Did you know that it was, a, it was possible to insult God? How many of you have ever heard that? Insulting God. You might have heard this more as a big, fancy, churchy name. Blasphemy. That's what blasphemy is. It's insulting God. And if church history is any kind of indication, blasphemy is a big no-no for Christians, isn't it? We talk a lot about, oh, you should, don't blaspheme. I remember my mother when my, you know, some of my uh, other relatives would come over and they would cuss or they would go, don't blaspheme. Right? It was big, it was huge even though we don't really know what it means. How many of you really, really truly know what blaspheming means? I didn't really know what blaspheming meant. I had to look it up. Blaspheming means insulting God. That's what it means. And I think if we actually started using regular language instead of these big churchy words to describe things, we would actually understand we're not always doing things right. Well, I never blaspheme. Do you withhold giving from the poor? Proverbs says that insults God. 
That's blasphemy. Insulting God. And I think if we took that picture of insulting God a little more seriously than this churchy term blasphemy that people don't really understand, I think we might be a little more convicted in our actions. Of course, if you can't shake the churchy language, and I know some people just really love it, um, when you don't care for the poor and and needy, you are blaspheming God. That might sit a little more seriously with you. But it's true. And we see in the Bible when people blaspheme God, bad things happen. In Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. How many of you pray for God's blessing? How many of you pray for God's curse? Not too many. Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. What does that even mean? Maybe we bring it down to everyday language. He who turns a blind eye to the poor will receive many a curse. Sometimes we do that, though, don't we? We turn a blind eye. Sometimes we do it even without realizing it. I used to live down in Baltimore, and I worked in Baltimore City, like right downtown in Baltimore City. And every day, coming from the parking garage, walking to lunch, doing whatever, I would see the poor. I would see these people out there um, asking for money. And, of course, you know, we, we might call those people beggars. We might call them panhandlers, right? Panhandler, that was a term that came from when they used to use those tin pans to actually just hold out for people to put money into them. And they were really helpful to the blind because they could hear the coins being dropped into these tin pans. And that's how we got the name panhandler. But we call them beggars, we call them panhandlers. But whatever we call them, whatever I would call them, I wouldn't see them. I mean, I'd see them, you know, they were there. But I'd turn a blind eye very often to these people. And, and I know that I was turning a blind eye to these people because I was cynical, as many Christians are. I would walk past these people and I would look at them and I would see their hand out or I would see their whatever they were holding out and I would say, I'm not giving money to that person because they're just going to go buy alcohol. They're just going to go buy drugs. I've judged these people without even talking to them, without even seeing them. And I've judged these people. I'd fail to see them as human at all. And I would just look away or pretend I didn't see them. You ever, you ever do the, the walk past the panhandler walk, right? You're talking to somebody and you see the panhandlers like right over there and, and all of a sudden, wow, look at that building over here. Isn't that cool? Once when I was in Philadelphia, um, I walked past a person asking for money. Wendy, I think you were there. And I sinned against God that day because I distinctly heard the voice of God tell me 
give that man $10. And I say I distinctly heard the voice of God because that was an incredibly specific instruction. Not think about giving that guy some change. Not give that guy some money. Give that man $10. And I didn't. I sinned against God that day. It was one of the clearest times I had ever heard his instruction and I ignored it. I didn't do anything. Later, I felt horribly about it. I felt like I had failed God. And I felt like I had failed that man. I felt cursed by my cynicism. And that's what happens when we become cynical. Cynicism itself is a curse. Believing the worst about people without even knowing who they are is a curse. It reminded me of what John writes in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him. How does God's love abide in him? I had the world's goods in my pocket. I had a $10 bill in my pocket. And it wasn't the only money I had. It wasn't like God said, empty your pockets and give it to this. Give him a $10, but you got it right there. I could reach into my pocket and pull it out. I had the world's goods, but I closed my heart against that man who needed that $10 for something. I'm convinced of it because God told me to give it to him. He needed that $10 for something, and I withheld it. And I came soon to realize that God's love did not abide in me that day. Sin abided in me that day. I was cursed. Jesus told his disciples about the curse of ignoring the poor. That curse that we just read about in Proverbs 28, 27. Jesus says in Matthew 25, 41 to 45, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And why does Jesus call these people cursed? For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. Jesus is saying if you never even learned how to care for your fellow human beings, you have no business living in the kingdom of God. 
If you have never learned how to care for the poor and the needy in your own community, you are cursed. And hell is waiting for you. This is not me talking. This is Jesus. You can read it. Look in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 25. It's there. God knows and tells us through His Word that the poor will always be with us. And He tells us it is our responsibility to take care of them. And if we fail to do that, we are cursed to spend eternity in the fire that was prepared ahead of time for the devil and his angels. That's where we belong. And I think back to that man in Philadelphia. And I do. I, 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 I sti it still breaks my heart that I did not listen to what God told me to do. But you know what? I'll bet somebody else did. Because when we don't do what God asks us to do, he'll find somebody else to do it. Or he'll do it himself. Psalm chapter 12, verse 5, Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he longs. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 4, For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall. And in James chapter 2, verse 5, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith? and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. God does not forget the poor and the needy. He is not turning his back on those people. He does his work, and he cares for them. And if you've learned nothing from the sermons that I have preached to you, let me just reiterate this little piece. God does his work through us. Let me say that again. God does his work through us, through every person who is obedient to his will. And if I don't do it, God has others who will obey him and who will care for the poor. And I'm in trouble if I turn a blind eye. I am incredibly, incredibly thankful that Morning Hour Chapel considers and cares for the poor. I am. The people here have given generously. They've, uh, not even, I'm not even talking about tithes and offerings. I'm talking about love offerings, things that have come up when we've said so-and-so needs something and you have opened your hearts and you have opened your purses and your pocketbooks and your wallets and you have said let's take care of them whether they go to our church or not let's take care of them you've given these love offerings we did uh, christmas boxes over uh, the the month of november that we were sending to the poor who have little to nothing in places all around the world we did 52 boxes that's an average of one box per adult and child that regularly attends Morning Hour Chapel. 
on any given Sunday. One box per person. I know next year we're probably going to do more. But for a start, answering God, answering His will, hearing Him and saying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take care of these people. I'm so thankful that we see that in this church. The end of good King Wenceslas says this, ye who now will bless the poor shall yourselves find blessing. And I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life when I have tried to bless the poor, to bless the needy. And the blessing that I have received just completely outshone whatever it was that I gave. Just, it just overshadows. It just doesn't compare. The blessing that we receive from God is just beyond compare. And on this Boxing Day, on this St. Stephen's Day, I want to encourage you, as Paul encouraged the Corinthian Christians, to be cheerful givers. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You will never hear me stand up here and try to force you to give or try to guilt you into giving because that's not what I'm supposed to do. That's not my job. Paul says here, you decide in your heart what it is that you're going to give. Don't let anybody guilt you into it. Don't let anybody force you into it. But you decide. You talk to God. God, what am I supposed to give? He'll tell you. I promise. God loves a cheerful giver. And if God speaks to you and tells you to give, please don't be cynical like me. Please don't follow my example from the man in Philadelphia. Which I now realize is the city of brotherly love. And I showed zero that day. But don't be like me. Listen for what God is telling you and give. Give as He directs you to give. Give as you and He decide together. What should I give? Because I've got good news for you. When you give as God instructs you to give, you will never need to worry about giving until it hurts. How many of you have heard that phrase? Give till it hurts. If you give the way that God instructs you to give, if you obey His will, it will never hurt. Instead, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 9.11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. This is the last Sunday of the year. 
Next week, some people say we start over. As you go through this week, talk to God. Talk to Him about taking care of the poor, taking care of the needy. Ask Him what He thinks you should give. And then obey His voice. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank You so much for today. I thank You for this time that people around the world honor Stephen, the deacon, Stephen the martyr, Stephen who, whose whole job was caring for the poor and the needy every day. Father, I ask that you help us to be Stephen. Not only that we would help the poor and the needy every day, not only that we would give as you instruct us, but that we also are willing to share the gospel boldly, no matter the consequence, no matter the price. Father, make us all cheerful givers. Father, forgive me for the times when I have not been. Forgive us for the times when we have not been. Father, show us how to be a blessing to others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Like Cindy said, Christmas is not over. Christmas Day is a commemoration. It is a time to remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Every day is the day to share that with others. It is the day to love. It is the day to give. And that's every single day. Do that this week as you go out of this place. God bless you.